suburban eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. But today, we observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Yes, the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. We're back again, episode 388. There's people already in the chat room. Watley is in the chat room. He was making comments before we even started this podcast, which shocked us all. He was that excited to be there. Yes. Apparently so, yes. That's a first, Watley. We didn't know that that was actually possible to comment before we even started. So there you go. Good to see. Good to see you there. Yes, episode 388. I'm Trevor, a.k.a. The Iron Fist. With me as always, Scott the Velvet Glove. G'day, Trevor. G'day, Joe. G'day, listeners. How are you all? We're all well, and Joe, the tech guy, is here Evening well. all. Yes. So, if you are in the chat room, say hello. If you listen to this podcast, you hear all these references to the chat room, like at least once on a Tuesday night at 7.30, hop on and, and join in and just experience the excitement of a live podcast. We're on a tightrope. There's no net below us. And we're okay, just come and winging it. He, a moderate amount of abuse at us. <laughs> yeah. Throw verbal, rocks at, well, throw verbal rocks at Trevor when he's defending the Russians. Yes, and the Chinese and the Greens and other people like that. So, well, what are we going to talk about tonight? Actually, I added a few topics that I hadn't intended to deal with at the last minute. So, Scott has been busy, hasn't had a chance to read much, but he's going to wing it and we'll see how we go. So we're, uh, we should briefly mention that the voice got through the Senate in terms of the decision to hold. Go for a referendum. referendum. Yep. Yes. So we'll talk briefly about that. We've got the Greens who have won concessions from Labor, but not enough and have decided they're just going to block the whole rock show. So we'll talk about whether that's acceptable behaviour on their part, good strategy or not. We'll get to that. We've got Brittany Higgins fallout with David Van and turns out he's a bit of a groper, according to various females in the parliament. And a bit more about propaganda and Western media. Um, I found some stuff because there wasn't a lot. I was looking through my old notes. I've got this sort of miscellaneous section and I dragged out a couple of things that I'd had in there for just such a moment as this. And one was about neuroscience looking at left and right brain, well, left and right wingers and the difference in their brains. Apparently, we're hardwired to some extent. Interesting. And maybe we'll get on to the Mexican-American War. <laughs> See how we go, just for something different. So that before we get on to... Have, have, have they hmm. paid for the wall yet? <laughs> Well, they're happy to have the war, keeping yes. those Americans out. Probably what's, they're happy to have it. Okay, before we get into other things, just briefly, I get emails from Dying With Dignity and the latest email had a very interesting link to a new resource documenting the first 100 days of voluntary assisted dying in Queensland. And it features podcast interviews and articles of patients and families who've accessed a voluntary assisted dying through Brisbane's Health Metro North. And this is a site hosted by QUT. Anyway, the stories are very powerful. I just read one of them and nearly teared up. And definitely, if you are interested in that topic, there'll be a link in the show notes. And otherwise, just go on Dying With Dignity website, wherever that is. I'm sure there'll be a link there. And really moving stories of what people are experiencing as they access the service. Recommend that for you. I haven't listened to it yet. I've got that on my list to listen. Mm. You know, because I received the same email you do. Yeah. So yeah. they're good. They don't bombard you with stuff, but the stuff no. they send you is good. So, mm. yeah. Okay. The voice, yes, it's passed through the Senate, not unexpectedly. So there will be a referendum. And 
So, yes, there will be an episode where it's a deep dive into all of the pros and cons. I've been keeping a list, checking it twice of all the parts I need to <laughs> cover, getting more stuff from Paul from Canberra. He keeps sending me links and things that I have to read and address as part of all this. So it's we'll eventually get round to it. You're like, going to have to get some John Farnham in for that episode. Yes, for the voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that's on the agenda in the not too distant future. That'll be a long episode. See how that goes. All right. First substantive one, the Greens, have they gone too far because they've won concessions, uh, basically we had this situation where labor had arranged to have a fund and the earnings from that fund would be used towards housing and the Greens said, not enough. And so the Labor Party said, okay, well, here's, I think, $2 billion the first year and some sort of emergency funding. And the Greens said, great. And Labor said, okay, how about passing the bill? And the Greens said, what about renters and a cap on or a freeze on rent increases? And the Greens have said they're not going to pass bills that would provide that funding that we've just talked about unless Labor passes laws regarding rent freezes. Scott, it sounds a bit like where we were with with cap and sort of cap carbon, and trade, cap and, yeah. trade and carbon pricing and, and yeah. that it just wasn't good enough for the what do you think, Scott? Well I think the Greens as to how you think, think about the, this. The Greens have made the perfect the enemy of the good mm. now i think what the what the labor government has actually proposed is good but the greens want something better than good they want perfect so they have they've made the enemy of the good the perfect so that is say that's how it boils down to a nutshell with me do i actually am i actually opposed to what the greens actually want well i'm not exactly certain of that because i have been reading differing opinions on the whole thing regarding rental freezes, that type of thing. Mm. The Greens are perfectly right. The, there wasn't a problem freezing rent and that sort of stuff when you had the COVID pandemic raping the country. So I understand where they're coming from. But now that everything is returning to normal, including interest rates and all that type of thing, I'm not sure that it's the right time to freeze rents and that type of thing, because I just think that with interest rates going up, mortgage repayments are going up, interest being charged by the banks are going up, and yet they're going to hold a gun to my head and say, well, Scott, you can't have a rental increase on your property. Probably makes it unattractive for people to exactly. buy investment properties. Exactly. Is that a bad thing? If people suddenly get scared off and go, hmm, can't make money, I'm going to sell it. Wouldn't that open up housing well, for what, people what, who what, don't see it as an investment? That, what, what, that, what that will do is that will drive down the price of housing, which if you don't own anything, that sounds like a great idea. To someone like me that has got property and someone like you that has got property, if you were to watch that property value fall and that sort of stuff, you're not going to feel as wealthy as you once did, mm. which is going to restrict the amount of money you can spend and that type of thing. So that is a dangerous position for us to go into. But I guess the Greens are calculating that the the people sort of 40 years and younger. Exactly. Uh, well, well, the renters, I guess they're calculating the, the, renters, the people who haven't bought yet. The well, renters who are their core voter, their core demographic. Yeah, and I agree, and I understand that's why they're going. That's why they're going down this road, and that type of thing is they're trying to, they're trying to paint me and other property owners as monopoly man, barons, and that sort of stuff that are out there to try and make an absolute fortune out of it. Yeah, kind of like is, the slumlord of regional Queensland. Well, that's you Oh, yeah, I but... own one place up in Mackay that is currently rented. I am currently renting down here in Rockhampton, and I own a, I own a Scott, place you in You do not have to justify yourself to me. You are a generous soul. You don't have to justify yourself. Yeah, to... It's one of those things. I, I, actually, I do actually feel bad for people that haven't been able to buy anything. 
because I bought my house at the right time. I sold it at the absolute top of the market for an obscene amount of money. Mm. It's, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. What am I trying to say? You cannot repeat what I've done because mm. I was very fortunate when I bought and when I sold. Mm. Now that doesn't mean that everyone that's got my color hair and that type of thing is going to be in exactly the same situation. There are some people that made some absolutely disastrous decisions and that type of thing at the same time that I made what turned out to be a very good decision. So, you know, I suppose I was very lucky with that house. Mm. It's and, very difficult to wind these things back. Oh, it is. And do it fairly. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, if you could actually engineer this, one of the things I would like to see happen is that rental prices hit a plateau and, and that, that if they end up, if you end up with housing prices hitting a plateau and they remain there for a number of years, mm. that wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. That's what we need is basically rather than things dropping, it yeah. have to be held at zero. Held at zero, zero growth for or a long, long very time. Minus, very minor growth per year, you know. Yes. And over time, investors will bail because they have better returns elsewhere. Yet homeowners won't be crushed, if you like, and can buy and sell in the same market. Because if it's your own home, then if you're buying and selling at the same time, it's and, your own home. And surely this is neutral to you, Scott, mm. because if there's a rental freeze or decrease, as a renter, you're going to profit off that, even though your investment property, you, so you only own one property. No, I own two rental properties. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, if you own, only own the one, then you're no worse off. No, that's right. Now, the, you know, it's the place in Mackay is going to become my house again when I move back up there, mm. but it's just one of those things at the moment it's rented out. So that's the main uh, front line thing I have on the whole rental market because that's rented out through a real estate agent and that type of thing. The other one is through the Defence Housing Association, which is the army is my tenant and the army does everything. So it's one of those things. Now, I hang don't on, hang know. On, hang on a second. Mm. You're not only the Queensland Regional Slumlord, you're a provider for the military industrial complex, Scott, oh, for, God's, for God's sake. You knew that I had rented, the, you knew that I had bought a rental property that was going to be rented by the DHA? Thank you. I know. Just having fun. Just, yeah, I know you're just, just having decent. fun, but one of these days, Trev, it's all going to bite you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, let's, let's but get I won't some... be a regional slumlord for very much longer because, you know, well, the longest I'm going to be a regional slumlord is until February of next year. Yeah, I didn't even coin that phrase. That was your that was partner who I, yeah, came up with that. Yeah, Brian wasn't? came up with it. Yeah. yeah. So, in the regional sl regional slumlord, I think. Yeah, that's it's said as a term of endearment. Yes, know? I know that. Yes. yes. Now, if, yes. if I thought you were serious, I'd fly down there and beat the fury, but no, you're not saying. Here's here's what friendly Geordies had to say about it. I'll play a little bit of this. The Greens are kicking up a stink that Labor aren't just making one off investments in housing. Oh wait, sorry, Labor are doing that. As Pettywog noted in the Senate, the bill the Greens are blocking also includes $2 billion in financing support for social and affordable rental homes, $350 million to build a further 10,000 affordable homes through the Housing Accord, allowing the National Housing and Infrastructure Facility to invest in social and affordable housing, opening up a potential $575 million in funding, a 15% increase in Commonwealth rent assistance, the largest increase in over 30 years. The fund is a bit like a sovereign wealth fund. $10 billion is invested then the returns of the fund are spent on building social and affordable housing. It's set to build 30,000 homes over the next five years. For their first seven years in office, the coalition were building less than 1,100 new dwellings a year. Labor's new fund could build up to 6,000 new dwellings a year. That is a massive increase. The fund is pretty clever because it's designed to ingrain an ongoing source of funding for social housing that sustains itself even when the Liberals are in office, as it's operating independently of the budget, meaning that if the fund passes, it's designed to become a sustained source of housing funding that the Liberals will have little or no incentive to destroy. Look at this. That was something I hadn't recognised as a concept from the fund, was that it will work 
when you know Labor leaves power and the Libs are in, there's this fund that's separate from government in a sense, generating money. And hey, of course, the Liberals could we'll find a way take to save money. That money. Yes. They could take that fund and just roll it into some other sovereign wealth fund. Defence. Yes. Yes. They could. But it is an argument for it, that you've created a fund that, in theory, provides money for something that you want, even when you're in opposition. I mean, that was a sort of part of it that I hadn't thought about before. So that was an interesting part of it. So let me just, let's get on to Max and what he has to say to, this is him in Parliament talking about the Greens' position. I've been a renter my entire adult life. I know what it's like to cop an unfair rent increase. I know what it's like to ask for basic repairs and get evicted as a result. And I know what it's like to lose a home you thought you could live in for years. But frankly, I've had it easy. And there are millions of renters out there right now, one rent increase away from eviction or financial stress. For the pensioner, who knows that they are one rent increase away from living on the streets. For the family, who know that as a result of those rent increases, they'll have to pull their kid out of the local school because they can't afford to live in the local area. Those are the people whose lives are being destroyed right now because the Labor Party is so committed to enshrining unlimited rent increases in this country. Well, Australia is a wealthy country. Australia is a country that is meant to pride itself on giving everyone the basics they need to live a good life. And that is why the Greens are fighting so hard. It was the Greens who stood up for months, being accused by the Labor Party of standing in the way. And actually what we did was secure $2 billion in funding for social housing. And now we are going to use that power to make sure those renters out there are able to live in dignity and know that there are limits on rent increases, a freeze on rent increases that allow them to go and live a good life. Authorised by Jay McCall, Australian Greens Canberra. So anyway, I guess the point is that, that the, the bill that's there is about providing housing supply with the assumption and hope that it will then lead to rent relief. It's one of those things, if you've got people out of the private rental market into government subsidised housing, then that's mm. going to reduce the demand for private rentals, which leads to a fall in rental. Mm. I guess his argument is, well, that's a bill for home ownership. We need one for renters that's direct and now, because that's going to take a long time. I think that's a good argument to percolate through the system, to buy but to build and to add to the supply and then to hope that that then percolates through to a rent relief. Yeah, but what were the numbers? There was 1100 a year that was being spent under by the Tories. They're talking about yeah. possibly 5,000, five or 6,000 being spent, being built by the Labor government. Yeah. Now that is five or six times the amount of, that is five or six times the amount of expenditure that happened under the Tories. Mm. Now that is an incredible increase in the, in the, in the ranks of affordable housing. Mm. Now, I don't think that they're actually talking about this. I don't think they're actually building houses to sell to people cheaply or anything like that. They're building them to rent mm. them out to people cheaply. Mm. Mm. I think tactically, the, like the Greens are getting pounded on Twitter, for example. Yeah. And they're just outweighed by the number of Labor Party MPs and trade unionists and others who are just just bagging the Greens. There's a lot of anti-Green sentiment in there. Probably the smart move politically would have been to say, okay, we'll vote for the bill. We tried renters. We really, really tried. Next election, you need to vote for us so we've got more power so we can have a better crack at it and, and just uh, sort of I think that might have been politically the smarter thing to do. But, you know, who knows how it will pan out. I mean, by sticking to their guns, they did get an extra $2 billion, which Labor didn't want to do, and they were forced to by the Greens sticking to their guns. So, well, you've got to hand it to them. But, yeah, if they cancelled the submarines or even the yeah. Phase 3 tax cuts. Yes. Yeah. 
if they, they cancel if they cancel the phase three the stage three tax cuts, then they would have a hell of a lot more money that they mm. could actually spend on social housing if they wanted to. Mm. So anyway, it's an interesting politics and how the Greens get their message out there in the face of a barrage of negative press from Labor will be interesting to see. In the chat the question room, what, is, sorry, yes. If we build 6,000 new houses a year, mm. what's to stop the LMP when they get into power doing a Maggie on us and selling it all off? Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, that, that could happen. There is no doubt about that. And that's one of the reasons that, that's one of the reasons why they've actually tried to enshrine the voice to parliament in the constitution, because they know that they, they, they can't tear it down the way they did with ATSIC. Mm. Mm. So it's. That's also another reason probably why they've set up this sovereign wealth fund and all that type of thing, because they, they realized that the Tories would have their, would have their, would try and be, would be trying to sell it and that sort of stuff. They'd want the money themselves. So they've actually decided, well, if we lock it up this way, then they can't touch it. Mm. In the chat room, we've still got Watley there, Event Horizon and Tanya and John's in there as well in the chat room. Say hello, even if you don't want to make any comment, just so that we know you're there and you're alive and kicking. Right. So yeah, that's the main thing to talk about with the Greens, I think. You've heard both sides of the argument. I personally think the friendly Geordies hit the nail on the head myself. Mm. You know, they, they certainly made it very clear as to what was actually being planned. And you know what, you know, though, it, he didn't give any credit to the Greens for the extra $2 billion that they're No, he obstinance. didn't. That's right. And the Greens did actually, did actually extract that from the Labor Party. Mm. I've got no doubt about that. Mm. So you didn't give all, all of both sides of the story, I don't think. Mm. Mm. So I sort of hit half a nail on the head. Hit it sideways a little bit. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm. Right. Brittany Higgins fallout during the week. So what we had was the... Opposition has been hounding Katie Gallagher about what she knew and didn't know about Brittany Higgins and what she said at a Senate Estimates Committee and what that meant and whether she misled the committee. And so they're trying to make some sort of headway politically by attacking Katie Gallagher. And in Parliament, David Van got to his feet and started to add to the pylon. And Lydia Thorpe couldn't take it anymore, rose to her feet and accused, accused David Van of inappropriate sexual conduct harassment. towards her. Harassment, yes. And that was all just, you know, of course, through the airwaves. And she subsequently the next day withdrew it on a technicality because technically she shouldn't have done it that way in that format in the parliament, but she said the substance of what she said was true. The liberal Peter Dutton, and that was sort of a bit silent and not really willing to accept Lydia Thorpe's version until pretty soon Amanda Stoker, former senator, and now, was she Liberal or National? Yeah, she was a Liberal. Oh, well, she's from the LNP in Queensland. I couldn't yes, tell you. She was a Liberal or National. Yes. Came out and said that she had been groped by him. Mm. And so that was it then. The effort by the Liberals to try and make political mileage out of this completely backfired. And they then said to... Dutton had to say to David Van, you're out of the party. And some people stupidly thought the guy would resign from Parliament, but he's just going to sit on the cross benches and collect he, his salary. He, he's going to go, go to, anywhere. He's going to go to One Notion. He'll just collect his salary and do whatever he well, wants. Well, apparently they've got to sit him next to Lydia the Hawp, actually, in the Senate. Surely not. Well, apparently that's what they're going to do. Surely not. Yeah. Anyway. Really, this liberal LNP political party is just so full of shitty people that as soon as they 
pop their head over the parapet and you take a look at them, you go, oh my God. And just the caliber of people that they've got there, horrendous. And, you know, the whole thing about the text messages, which was yes. what kicked this off. Yes. And what a surprise she didn't want to hand over her phone because she was worried that it would be used against her. Yes. And what a surprise. The stuff that was given in confidentiality to the police has been leaked and has been used against her. Yes. And essentially the text messages, there were some text messages to Katie Gallagher. Mm -hmm. Katie Gallagher had said in a Senate estimates, nobody on our side knew anything about this. And what she was referring to was this being Brittany Higgins about to drop a bombshell on the whole bunch of them. Not that they didn't know anything at all because she had received text messages. So the context was, we didn't know she was going to drop this shit bomb on you guys the way she did. Not that we didn't know anything, but we just sat on it because that was up to her to do that if she wanted to. And that's what they're trying to beat up as inappropriate behaviour by the Labor Party. We've got Liberal staffers allegedly harassing other Liberal staffers at Liberal Party events, and somehow the Liberals are trying to make this the fault of the Labor Party. Mm -hmm. They're insane. They should have just pulled their heads in and hoped it would all blow over. To actually keep badgering on with that was just inviting the sort of thing that just happened to this, this David Van character. They're stupid. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They are stupid. It, it sounds like there needs to be an Office of Professional Responsibility or whatever, professional conduct. Yeah. That, that you can go to anonymously and lodge your complaints against another member of parliament, have it investigated. Yes. They just need a... They just need a brain transplant. Their moral, their moral compass is so out of whack, these guys. It's, it's just mind-boggling how bad the Liberal Party representation is, the sort of people that they've got there. It's horrendous. So, so it's all right. They're all Christians. Yes. That's, well, it's no coincidence, is it? So, yeah. anyway, what we've got here is, let me just play a little bit of, this is David Spears, I think, on Insiders. So the fucking ABC, just where the smoke they're fire. Oh, Labor, Liberals are talking about Katie Gallagher. Mud's been thrown. Some of it must stick. You know, it looks like there's an issue with what she's done without actually examining what's happened and, and just refusing to repeat the bullshit that the Liberals have come out with. But they amplify it, pass it on, treat it with respect that it doesn't deserve. So here's a little bit of David Spears. Still defend the strategy of asking these questions. They say, look, we've established that Katie Gallagher misled Parliament. We've established that Labor wasn't necessarily pure-hearted entirely in, in the way it pursued the Morrison government over the Brittany Higgins allegations back then. But look, along the way, Yes, they've dragged up a lot of stuff and, and some Liberals will privately agree this has not been necessarily a good idea. It's, it's left them accused as well of looking like they're, they're weaponising an issue, in particular weaponising the leaked text messages of an alleged rape victim. So, look, no one's come out of this a winner, that's for sure. And, you know, as Lydia Thorpe... It it's just bullshit to say no one's come out of this a winner. Nothing that Katie Gallagher did was wrong. It's just... Labor's fine in terms of their involvement in this whole fiasco. And to somehow say, oh, they're all, to somehow suggest that the opposition have proved their allegations mm -hmm. and that, that somehow they're all at fault in some way, what a messy bunch all of them are, pathetic. Just, there we go. That's the ABC. Well, I think the shovel had it right, didn't they? What was their one there, did they say? It's in your email. Yeah. Well, just, <laughs> I don't have it to hand. Oh, I okay. did. What did the shovel say? Yes. 
In a fiery interview this morning, opposition leader Peter Dutton says it's incumbent on the Labor Party to explain why Liberal Party Senator David Veen allegedly squeezed the bottom of his Liberal Party colleague Amanda Stoker at a Liberal Party social event in 2020. That's right. They haven't yet got around to blaming Labor for David Veen's conduct, but it'll they happen. will. And when they do, David Spears will say, oh, yeah, mud thrown on both sides. They're all both equally as terrible. And you might say it's been a bit of a bad week for the Liberals, but not a great week for Labor either. Like, just terrible coverage. Terrible. So, yeah, there we go. That's that whole sorry saga. And, oh, yeah, Q&A. So this is a tweet from Q&A in the lead up to their latest episode. The PM is facing questions about transparency and whether one of his ministers misled Parliament as the Liberal Party says it's planning to continue putting Labor under pressure. Anybody not really paying attention to this would just Mm -hmm. think, shit, Labor's done some stuff and the Liberals are on top of them. And, wow, that's interesting. I'll repeat that again. On Q&A, the PM is facing questions. What? About transparency and whether one of his ministers misled Parliament as the Liberal Party says it's planning to continue putting Labor under pressure. What's your question? My question is, when are the LNP going to do something about the absolutely shitty behaviour of their employees in Parliament? When are they going to just cancel Q&A and give us well, that reruns too. of Faulty Towers or something? <laughs> Well, no, we could have the reruns of Q&A when Christopher Hitchens was on. Yeah, we could do that. Now, in Victoria, Roman's not in the chat room, is she? But, uh, I haven't seen her. No. So this came thanks to John Simmons, who is in the chat room. Thank you, John, for this, this one. So they've pre-selected a lady called Nicole Werner to be in the Victorian Senate. This is for the Liberal Party. And actually, no, it must be for an electorate rather than for the Senate or for their upper house. So this is Victorian Liberal Party, who of course have been smashed by Dictator Dan in recent recent times and not so recent times. And guess what? Nicole is a youth pastor from Planet Shakers Pentecostal Church. Last time she ran in Box Hill, there was an 8.9% drop in the Liberal Party vote. So she's now pre-selected by the Liberals to run in the seat of Warrandyte. So, so the Liberal Party in Victoria have now pre-selected a Pentecostal Happy Clapper. Happy Clapper. And... Now, there's a thing called Channel 6 News run by this kid, Leonardo Puglisi, and he had on his website that Victorian Liberals are worried the party will lose that by-election despite holding the seat since 1988. So it was a hotly contested pre-selection and a Liberal source has told 6 News that they and lots of other party members believe the party will lose. Six News has been told there was a large amount of Pentecostals seen at today's pre-selection voting in support of her, leaving non-Pentecostals grey-faced. I am not surprised. In other religious news, did you hear about the Muslim Majority Council in some town in the USA? It was celebrated as, you know, what what a diverse city we are. This is great. We now have a Muslim majority council. Yeah. They, ha- they, they have banned uh, the rainbow flag being flown on City Hall <laughs> because it, the majority of their constituents want that and we do what the majority wants. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. No, I wasn't aware of that. But just uh, you're probably all wondering what Nicole Werner is like. I'll just give you a bit of a, a bit of a clip from her. Got a tyrant's socialist agenda that insists on teaching our kids what in our education system. Not to mention living under Victoria with a 
for Richard not to have therapies. I mean, yeah, no, that's enough. So the minute I hear somebody complaining about what? woke, I immediately know they're a reader of The Australian. Like, I'm not well, a fan of wokeness. And, and the unwarranted nighttime curfews. Yes. So she was complaining that she couldn't go out and spread COVID during the biggest pandemic we've had. Well, she actually, later in that clip, complains that she wasn't allowed to worship, importantly. She could worship. <laughs> it it I, says in the Bible, go into your cupboard and pray. It does. She didn't read that bit. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, a, it's a community thing. If you're not worshipping a community, then you're just not doing it, uh, mm. according to her. So If you're not seen to be worshipping. Yeah. And I mean, Dictator Dan won an election. Yes. Just recently. The people yeah. voted and said, yeah, we were fine with no, all that. The voter fraud, come on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, there were people seen driving up with lots of ballot papers and the mail-in vote, well. So if you're going to run against him, my advice to anybody would be don't run the argument about the lockdowns because that's been voted on and done. You've got to argue about things that have happened since then. And I'm sure there's enough stuff. I mean, things to do with the railways and that, they've spent a lot of money. There's a lot of debt in Victoria. You know, you could, you could have a good whinge with some, some decent arguments about other stuff. But rehashing the lockdown and complaining about your education system and its woke uh, education agenda. See, you've got no choice but to go to public schools with their yeah. woke agenda because dictator Dan has slapped payroll tax on the, on the Christian schools. Yes. Which is honestly a brilliant thing to do. Yeah. Well, but I mean, that's something that she could have argued about, is it? To yeah. her constituency. Exactly. And made some headway, but to just rehash that stuff. So, yeah, I'm no fan of the woke agenda, but it's not a, it's not a thing. So we have to concern ourselves with the way that the Australian would or that Jordan Peterson or Greg Sheridan and all the rest of them want to talk about. Anyway, that's Victorian politics once again making Queensland look good. You, Victoria. Yeah. Right. I'm sure Bob Catter will come out one of these days and make some comments. Yes. <laughs> yes. You almost forget that Pauline Hanson's a Queenslander. So, yeah. Well, I can't ever forget that. Please mm. explain. Yes. He's an idiot. Yeah. Look, I was complaining last week about how one-sided Western media is in certain narratives, and I found a clip from Jeffrey Sachs talking about that topic. So I'll just play a little bit of this one where he's describing New York Times and its reluctance to give any space to an alternative narrative. Here we go. The United States has a very hard time thinking through the eyes of anyone else. And when I say U.S., I, I'm meaning literally a small group of a few hundred people. I'm not speaking about the American people. They're not told anything about this. And just as a footnote, I've tried to explain the role of NATO in this to the New York Times, and they will not print anything on this. They've written 26 editorials since February 24, 2022, that this is an unprovoked war. I called them. I wrote to them. I said, I've advised all these leaders, countries. I've been through this for three decades. Can you give me 700 words? The answer is no. There's a complete unwillingness to have any discussion about this. Because if you do, you're put on Ukraine's blacklist and you're put on America's no-show list. He goes on to say, doesn't matter. It's not just Republicans or not just Democrats. It's all the same. And, and those people who don't believe that humans are causing climate change they're not invited anymore. You know, they, they don't get a chance to print an editorial in the New York Times. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But I guess you've got a preponderance of the scientific community saying 97% of us say this is the situation. And Believe got... me, Putin is well and truly getting his message out there. Maybe not in the mainstream press, but 
I, I had to scroll through Facebook, not Facebook, YouTube today. Yes. And some of the stuff I was seeing on there. Yes, no doubt. No doubt. But, you know, when people talk about propaganda in China or Russia or whatever, you just have to recognise the same propaganda is happening in Western media. It's just more cleverly disguised, if you like. But there you go. That was Jeffrey Sachs on New York Times, not wanting to run a counter-narrative. Uh, AUKUS. So an article from the Australian Financial Review talked briefly about the Queensland branch, which we mentioned last week at its state conference. There was a motion on AUKUS. Now, I thought at the time that they had put forward an, a motion condemning AUKUS. But in fact, what happened was that a motion was put forward praising AUKUS and the delegates refused to pass it. So that's how that worked. And, and then there's, Victoria is coming up with its own Labor Party conference and it looks like there will be a motion more or less condemning the AUKUS arrangement, expressing profound disappointment over the government's decision. So maybe Victoria will pass a motion um, demanding genuine debate and consultation and calling into question the whole thing. So, so yeah, that was Queensland and Victoria and there's a national conference going to be later in the year. The writer of this article is dubious about whether something would be passed at that which would be negative about AUKUS because the factions would not allow it. But anyway, Victoria and Queensland not happy with AUKUS. Right, how are we going for time? 8.14. It's probably going to be a short episode, this one. In the show notes for the patrons. Also, if you're not a patron and you want to get the show notes, if you are donating through PayPal, because some people do, Give me an email and I will give you a link to a Dropbox where you can get the show notes, the extended ones. So do that if you'd like. But this was an article by a guy, John Willoughby, Emeritus Professor of Medicine and Honorary Consultant Neurologist at Flinders University and Medical Centre. He wrote an article in the John Menadue blog that was sitting in my miscellaneous file for possibly years until I had the chance to get to it. And... Looking at brain activity, and here's what they do with people. So put them in an MRI machine, and people are scored on a left-wing to right-wing scale using answers to questions like, do you support same-sex marriage? Do you support gun control? Are you religious? Etc. So the people are sort of categorized as left or right-wing based on those answers. Then the participants undertake an apparently mindless task in which they have to respond to a visual signal, which is briefly displayed on a monitor by pressing a timer button. They are given these instructions. Look at the monitor. If you see an X appear on the screen, hit the button. If you see a Y appear on the screen, don't hit the button. All the while, their brain activity is being recorded. In this test, X is very frequent. So the usual response to a letter appearing is to hit the button. When the very rare Y appears, the response is to withhold the usual action of hitting the button. So these tests are known as go-no-go -no -go tests. And so there are many studies demonstrating that people on the right side of the political spectrum have stronger markers of emotional activation to unexpected change than people on the left. So when they see the why and they're not supposed to hit the button, stronger markers of emotional activation for right-wingers. So, so yeah, they get more emotional. And there are other kinds of difference. People with left-wing attitudes have a larger anterior cingulate cortex, smaller right amygdala, and smaller left insula findings that correlate with levels of activity in these structures when they deal with information counter to their experience. The interpretation here is that people with left-wing attitudes think more deeply or differently when information is unexpected. 
in contrast to people with right-wing attitudes whose responses are more emotional. Jonathan Haidt wrote a book called The Righteous Mind, which mm-hmm. explores at a psychological rather than as a physical level mm-hmm. the difference between right and left. And they said, effectively, they are disgusted by different things. So right-wingers are disgusted by things that are against moral norms, against societal norms. Mm. The left are more disgusted by adulterous of food of the planet. Mm-hmm. So he said effectively they are both knee-jerk reactions, but they're knee-jerk reactions to different things. Mm-hmm. And that's why we get the clumping. But yes, it's very much an ingrained thing. It's a it's a hardwired thing. Mm. So this is saying there's a hard wiring for right wingers to have a more emotional response to unexpected change. Very interesting. Yes. As you're talking to your left and right wing friends. And also oh. there's a psychologist, Justin Lay Miller, mm-hmm. who wrote a book about people's kinks, big cross-population survey in America and said that the right-wingers get turned on by the thought of... Kinky behaviour. Yeah, cuckolding. Right. So because that's going against their social norms... Right. You know, the the marriage is sacrosanct and therefore to be cuckolded is such a turn-on. Right. Whereas left-wingers, female empowerment is is the norm... Right. And therefore, dom-sub relationships are much more an interest in left-wingers. There we go. Sexual proclivities. Se- sexual proclivities reveal. is all about flipping yes. the social norms. It is all about taking those things that aren't allowed in your subgroup and, right. and turning them on the head. There we go. So that's, yeah. Interesting. Think about that, dear listener. Right. Just an article about those cruel Chinese. I don't think I've mentioned this story before. I'm pretty uh, sure I've heard it somewhere. Yeah. I'm worried I might have mentioned it. But anyway, there was a Russian man trapped on a Chinese reality TV show. He joined a boy band competition on Chinese TV on a whim, but regretted his decision. Basically wanted to leave. And they said, well, you can't leave you'll pay a hefty fine. It's going to cost you a lot of money. You've got to hope to be voted out. And so he would do terrible performances and plead with the audience to vote him off. <laughs> the Chinese <laughs> audience refused to. They, they, as a sort of a schadenfreude sort of thing, made him stay despite the fact that he wanted to leave. And it became quite quite the thing to get on and vote to keep this Russian on the show despite his wishes to leave. And so he was propelled through three months of competition and 10 episodes. A fan base which had taken to his grumpy anti-celebrity persona or were perhaps driven by schadenfreude, urged each other to vote for him and let him 996 and 996 is a reference in China's digital industry culture of chronic overwork, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week. So let this Russian guy, let him 996. Others called him the most miserable wage slave and celebrated him as an icon of Sang culture, a Chinese millennial concept of having a defeatist attitude towards life. <laughs> That's funny. Somebody actually I can, trying to get I can see other cultures doing that, though. Yeah, exactly. Finally, two quick topics. Really, China, well, the US is worried about Taiwan because they think they're just going to do what the US did to Hawaii, really. Are you guys aware of the sort of history of Hawaii and the US yeah, acquisition? Yeah. I mean- Came to know about it after listening to a podcast by American History Tellers, mm-hmm. and they were talking about it. Yes. And yeah, they really well the the Hawaiian the Hawaiian royal family was really screwed over by the Americans. Yes, 
and they end up losing their whole country to the Americans. And the Americans, I think, only made them a state in 1950-something, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Well, they basically organised a coup d'etat. And, yeah. And, yeah. And there was in 1990, so this happened back in 1893, which they eventually, that was when things got underway and they eventually acquired the island as part of the United States in 1898. In 1993, there was an apology resolution by the US Congress conceding that the overthrow of the Kingdom of Hawaii occurred with the active participation of agents and citizens of the United States. And the Native Hawaiian people people never directly relinquished to the United States their claims to their inherent sovereignty as a people over their national lands. So essentially an admission by the US, yep. We engineered a coup. Sorry. And uh, that was in 1993. It sounded so, like America. Yes. I wonder who was in charge in 93. Who would have been that? It would have been W, wouldn't it? No, it would have been Clinton, no. actually. Clinton. Maybe Clinton. Been, uh, yeah, yeah if been. Reagan was the 80s, Clinton would have been Yeah, Clinton would have been in the 90s. Doesn't sound like something Reagan or Bush would have done. It would have no. been Clinton. Yeah. No. So, so there we go. Just uh, bear that in mind. And also, just at the same time, I had a little thing there about the Mexican-American War. And essentially, Texas had kind of tried to, the Texas, what is now known as Texas, that rough territory, had tried to say that it had broken away from Mexico as an independent area. Republic of Texas, wasn't it? Remember the the Alamo? Yeah. The US couldn't accept Texas because of problems with the voting blocks on slavery. So it was sort of, the US hadn't acquired it. They claimed to have seceded from Mexico. The US then sent troops into Texas, more or less goading the the Mexicans into a conflict and then proceeded to go into all-out war with the Mexicans. And if you look, dear listener, at your phone, the chapters should show a map of what was Mexico. (laughs) And you can see it was a huge area that was taken. It was a very big country. It was a massive area that was taken. And according to Wikipedia, in 1844, United States presidential election, Democrat James K. Polk was elected on a platform of expanding U.S. territory in Oregon and Texas. Polk advocated expansion by either peaceful means or by armed force, with the 1845 annexation of Texas as furthering that goal. For Mexico, this was itself a provocation, but Polk went further, sending U.S. Army troops to the area, sent a diplomatic mission to Mexico to try and negotiate a sale of the territory. The U.S. troops' presence was a provocative and designed to lure Mexico into starting the conflict Blah, blah, blah. So, wasn't there something so, about the US refused to acknowledge Mexico's independence from Spain? I don't know about that. Maybe. I don't know. So, where's the modern border run now? It runs across the top Texas. of Baja California. Yes. And then basically, New Mexico is US. Yes. And then Texas half of Texas, Texas is yellow. Yeah. Well, no, there's... Okay, so Baja, California is still part of Mexico. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. So the Alta California was taken over by the United States. New Mexico was taken over by the US and Texas was taken over by the US. The rest of it's still Mexico. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, so Texas is actually, there's only half of Texas in there because Texas is bigger now, I think. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that wasn't that long ago. 1845. U.S. troops in the Philippines? Hmm. Yes. That was the 1890s? Yes. So just want to sort of put that out there in weeks and months to come. When we talk about Taiwan and I I get confused with Hawaii, I'll just, as a joke, maybe, just bear that in mind. That's some of the stuff that that America's been doing. Yeah, I think that the only thing that the Yanks can be accused of pinching was those territories from Mexico and also Hawaii, you know, because the Philippines, they did actually end up handing over to mm. 
you know, it, they ended up, I can't remember the exact history of it, but there was a civil war, was a war and that sort of stuff that was fought with Americans uh, against the Filipinos. But eventually once that war was over, mm. the Filipinos got their country back. And Guam? The, yes. Sorry? Guam. Guam. Okay. Gotcha. That's another one I didn't know about. Yeah. Mm. Very handy for military bases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering about the Caribbean. What's Puerto Rico? Because it's not even a state yet, is it? Yes. No, it's not That's a right. state. It's American territory. It's an American territory. And yes. then, of course, there's the US Virgin Islands. Yes. In American Samoa, Grenada, apparently. But, yes. But, but apart from Mexico, Hawaii, Guam. Yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. Puerto Rico. Yeah, okay. And I've said, I have the said before, the Yanks do not have, they are not completely bloodless in this thing. You know, they have made some disastrous foreign policy decisions in the past. And let's not even start on Diego Garcia. No, exactly. You know. What's what's Diego Garcia? British Indian Ocean Territory, which was a coconuts plantation. And effectively, the, the, the locals who were imports anyway were left to look after themselves. And then the British colonial administration kicked them out so that the US could build a military base there. Uh, is this the one between India? Yes. Is this in the, yes, yes. It, it's the, yes, U, the US staging, forward staging area for the Indian Ocean. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Last one. Donald Trump, we mentioned pacing. <laughs> he is in a shitload of Oh, trouble. God, yes. He's... If he lives long enough. They've got it. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. I haven't read the I haven't read the indictment, but apparently, according to all the all the American podcasts that I listen to, mm. Jack's what's his surname? Snow is no mm. Jack, whatever his name is, the prosecutor and that sort of stuff that's been hired to actually pull him down. He has mm. got it. He has got it nailed down beautifully. So they're saying that there is no regal room at all for him. That you know. It doesn't matter that you've got a judge that's been appointed by him. It's one of those things that he cannot walk away from this. Mm. I've got a little clip about what Donald Trump, actually I'll platen it, because when he was president. In my administration, I'm going to enforce all laws concerning the protection of classified information. No one will be above the law. And that was something else that was also said about on the scathing atheist I was listening to. They said okay. that uh, they said that he's actually hung, hanged himself because him signing into law and that sort of stuff. What he did was allegedly to try and grab Hillary Clinton for her uh, email server. Very laws he wrote yeah, email oh. service, and yes. that's now just all blowing up in his face because he could have got away with it. it would have been it would have been he would have been charged as a misdemeanor, but now it's actually a full blown mm. felony. Mm. He's also, apparently there's audio recording oh, of, yeah. of him talking to somebody about something else at the time. But he said, yeah. oh, yeah, I've got this document here. I could show you, but it's classified. And he's waving it in front of them. Mm. Yeah. Don't look too close. Yep. Because I'm not, I'm not allowed to show it to you, but quick, just look at this bit. I couldn't declassify it even if I wanted to. So they've got him on tape yeah. saying he couldn't declassify it. Yeah, he because he was no longer it. the president. Exactly. You know, he has really cocked up. Terrible. So sad. (laughs) Well, it's one of those things like, you know, they were were expecting 50,000 people and that sort of stuff were going to be at the front of the courthouse and that type of thing to actually welcome him back. But Mm. they barely had five or 10,000 people turning up there. And apparently half of them were, apparently half of them were also arguing against him. So Mm. they're just saying that he's... He's, he's going to lose, you know, if the Mm. Republicans do actually nominate him again, even though he's up against sleepy Joe and this time around, I think that they could actually put that nickname on him because he is very old, you know, Mm. he will lose. So that is one of the things that the Republicans are going to have to take a very hard, long look at themselves and that type of thing. And they're going to have to find someone better than what they've got. Oh, DeSantis. Apparently. DeSantis is just as big a dickhead, but he's actually younger. 
Yes. Uh, apparently Joe Biden finished off a speech the other day with God Save the Queen. Oh, did he? Yeah. See, then it's so, you know, we can always laugh about him having dementia and everything like that, but you've got to actually start to wonder whether or not he has actually got it. Yeah, I mean, doesn't he know there's a well, king there's, exactly. there's, there's, there's photographs of his instructions, allegedly, oh, that have been right. taken, you know, on his lectern or whatever that says, yeah, open the, the, the greeting, then you talk to this journalist, then you talk to this journalist, they're going to ask you this. Right. And at the end, turn left, walk to the stage Basically. left, exit stage left, and all. And that have you stuff, have you so. seen the latest RT deep fake of all the European leaders and the American leader about Ukraine? No. Oh, oh, no. Lo- what is oh, it? Basically, it's a deep fake that RT have made. Going, oh yeah, what are we going to do about Ukraine? And they're they're trying to think up new sanctions to enforce on Russia. Mm. Right. And basically saying that none of the the sanctions are biting and therefore they don't know what to do. Mm. But it was it was more the, hey, we've now got to the point where videos are being produced of world leaders saying things that they never said. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yep, yep. Send me a link to that. I'd be yeah. I'll see if I can find it. See it. Yeah. Mm. Very good. Okay. Well, there you go, dear listener. Another episode. We'll spend the next week trawling through the internet and RT and other places for things to amuse and entertain you. If you've enjoyed this, hop onto Patreon and become a patron or send us a donation. There's a nice donation came through from somebody I'll mention next week because I didn't write it down, but thank you for that person. And uh, thank you for the people in the chat room. Right, we'll be back next week. Talk to you then. Bye for now. It's a good night from me. And it's a good night from him. Good night.